0: Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Five Alive from Chandigarh Mahali, Punjab. It is a great day to be serving the Lord. We are going to be reading from the book of John, chapter 12, 35 through 50. A few things to keep in mind Jesus has entered Jerusalem at Passover time. Some Greeks have searched out Jesus because they've heard of the miracles and his teaching. Jesus continues teaching, and John gives us, the reader, a bit of Old Testament insight as well. And so we're going to continue today with the reading of God's word, John chapter 12, 35 through 50. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer.
1: Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Where you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart in turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And I know that his commandment is eternal. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me.
0: This is the reading of the word of the Lord. I want to jump right in with Jesus talking about himself as the light. This was in reference a couple of times before already in the book of John. Uh, we found it in John 8, 12, John eleven nine 9, and 10. And again here in John 12, 35, we see Jesus describing himself As the light, and he expounds on this reality of this attribute of whom he is as being the light. Jesus is the light of the world, and light is an attribute of God, and it's seen throughout the world. In other religions, even beyond the Abrahamic three religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, we have light as an example of uh, worship to God. In Hinduism, they light dias in order to worship God. Uh, they take fire and they will um, uh, kind of grab their hands over the top of it and and usher that the the presence of the light onto themselves, over covering over their head and. Jainism, it's the same. Zoroastrianism, it's the same. Even in, even in different parts of Christianity and Catholicism, you have people that will go and in moments of prayer, they will light a candle, a light as an example of getting God's attention. In order to hear their prayers and the importance of light in ritual worship is is just seen on a global scale whether you're in the united states you're in india or everywhere anywhere in between in either direction east or west uh, we see light as a way to worship uh, worship god and this isn't always worship of the true god this is sometimes idol worship and so what are the differences in jesus being the light and the candle or a dia? That is used in ritual worship of other gods. What's the difference there?
2: The difference is that those can be blown out. And since Jesus is the light of the world, he can not be covered. Extinguished? Extinguished.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Anything else? He is the representation of light. He claims to be the light as opposed to... Uh, whenever we worship with lighting lights or, you know, igniting a match to light a candle or a dia is we have to do it as for opposed. Jesus is already light. We don't have to light a candle to make light Mm -hmm. for him to worship him. He is light in and of itself. Anything that's good and bright and everything that is Jesus. He is the representation of light. So we don't need to make light to worship him
0: because he already is the light. Okay. Very good. Anything else? I I, I can remember a time in the Old Testament where there was a prophet named Elijah. He was up on a mountain and there were uh, other uh, false prophets, 400 of them, and they were worshiping Baal and the uh, cry was uh, for a sacrifice to be consumed And it was by light, by fire. And Baal was the representation uh, uh, or personification of a false idol or a false God. And so Elijah is saying, okay, you guys go ahead and you go first. You go ahead and you start worshiping your God. And when when the light from heaven comes and consumes your sacrifice, then we will know that your God is real. If that doesn't happen, then your God's not real. And if I pray and the light comes from heaven and consumes my sacrifice then we know that Yahweh the God of Israel he is real and as we know the story or of those who may not know the story goes is that those Baal worshipers are cutting themselves they're crying out they're they're doing anything and everything they can they're chanting they're saying mantras over and over and over again and nothing is happening to their sacrifice and Elijah says okay you know, is it maybe that your God's sleeping right now? Oh, maybe he's gone to the toilet. Oh, maybe he just doesn't have time for you right now. And he starts making fun of these guys that are worshiping this false idol of Baal. And finally, enough is enough. And Elijah goes, OK, now what I want you to do is I want you to dig a trench around this sacrifice. I want you to drench it with water so much that the that the the. um." Trench around the sacrifices filled up with water and then he just says a simple prayer and he says god I know you're real Come and and show yourself to the people and boom fire comes from heaven Light comes from heaven. God is light and that light comes and it consumes not just the sacrifice not just uh, uh, Everything that was prepared for him uh, God But also all of the water that had been poured all the way down into the trench, all of that water was then consumed by God as a living sacrifice. And God was seen, the God of Israel is seen as the true God of light, not a false idol, not a false personification. In Greek mythology, you have, um, Zeus. He's the, the, the light bearer. He's the, He's the lightning thrower, and and yet God is greater than that. That is just a misrepresentation or a false perversion of who God is in Zeus, someone else trying to claim, a a demon trying to claim glory for God Almighty. And so that's what we have as a difference between Jesus, and that's what we have as a difference between lighting a dia or lighting a candle in a ritualistic worship, as well as the things that both Xavier and Mallory have brought up. Could lighting a candle or a dia to a false god be a perversion and temptation, leading people away from the true light, who is Jesus Christ?
2: Sometimes when people talk about Jesus, they, they thought in Christmas we light a candle, we uh, light the candle. Mm-hmm. So they thought it isn't written in the Bible. So, uh, and like every time we have to explain, some people thought it uh, isn't written in the Bible. That's why they light the candles. Or no. It's not written, right? It's, Correct. It's, well, because they are Catholic. They, they used to do that. Mm-hmm. Just... It has become a
0: ritual that was adopted throughout the ages. Yeah, Exactly. So the question is, is could lighting a candle or a dia to a false God be a perversion or a temptation that leads people away from the reality of who the true light is, who is God? How couldn't it How could it not be yeah, that? How could it not be that? Anything
1: can be perverted to a specific way. So I mean it's always it all depends on
0: perspective. Yeah. But don't we nowadays just try and accept all these things? Oh, but all pathways lead to God. All ways of worship lead to God. So therefore, this isn't excluding me from worshiping God. This is a way that I'm now including everybody who doesn't really believe in Jesus. Then they also are believing in God. That's the way people talk nowadays and always have.
1: Mm -hmm. But not all pathways can lead to God. Because he's already said there's only one way, and that's by me. Correct. And doesn't that means you can't worship anybody else? Mm-hmm. So he even states it in the Ten Commandments. He's a jealous God, and if
0: you worship other gods, he's gonna come after you, basically.
1: <laughs> consequences.
0: Xavier, by saying that within the Ten Commandments, leads right into the next part of what Jesus says: is He asks us to walk in the light, and as we walk in the light, this refers not just to uh, a certain portion of our day, but our whole day that we are alive, that we are moving about, that we are operating, we are to walk in the light. Why do we walk in the light? We walk in the light because it exposes darkness. Light exposes hidden sin. Light exposes darkness false motives. So if I walk with the light of the world, then darkness consumes me. But if I walk in the light of God, then the darkness is exposed and it flees. And there within me, I become more obedient to Christ. So Sin no longer has a hold on me. Therefore, those sins that are pointed out by God on a stone tablet that Xavier mentioned are my guardrails in life. So those 10 commandments are The Lord God, he's one. There are not many gods. There's not multiple gods. There's not this avatar that represents God. No, the Lord God, he is one. Secondly, make not any false image and don't worship the false image that you've made. Don't create for yourselves idols and don't worship idols. Don't take God's name in vain. Don't make oaths and don't make Uh, um, cries of, of, I swear this is the truth on God as my witness. Don't do those kinds of things. Do not take the Lord, your God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. God created the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. So take a day out of the week and rest. Honor your father and mother. No matter the age, whether we're a child or we're a grown adult, we're still to honor our father and mother. This doesn't mean we honor them so greatly that we take their portrait and we put it up onto the wall and we put a a series of marigold flowers all over it and then start worshiping our mom and dad as if that is a way of honoring them. Another commandment is do not murder. Do not have brother versus brother crime or hatred or disgust. Do not commit adultery this is in reference to our sexual being that sex is a good thing god created us for sex but he did not create us to just go out and have sex with anything and everyone he created it sex to be between a man and a woman and anything beyond that is adultery he says do not steal This is a way of honoring and respecting others and their property and not stealing from them. Do not lie. In other words, love your neighbor so much that you're not trying to manipulate them and force them to do something that they don't necessarily want to do. And don't lie about it whenever you do get caught in doing something that somebody thinks is wrong. Don't covet. In other words, we've got to be content with what we have. Be content with the, the position we are in life. Be content with our job. Be content with the amount of money that we're making. Be content with the fact that we have food and shelter and clothing. Be content with what God's provided. So can a person follow these 10 commandments with sheer determination and self-will? Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. I, think.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, we even have the story
1: of the rich young ruler. in One of the, I don't remember which gospel. It's not John. (laughs) But in one of the Gospels where he comes to Jesus saying, how do I go to heaven? Because I've done the Ten Commandments my whole life since I was a boy. I followed them as best as I could. Like I have been as righteous as possible. And then Jesus says, well, now that you've done all those things, sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. And that saddened the rich young ruler because he didn't want to give up his material things and go follow Jesus. but Yes, someone can follow the Ten Commandments all their life, but still not be willing to give up their life for
0: Jesus. Exactly. It's very important for us to recognize the importance of somebody who is just a good person somebody who's going to experience life eternal because they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout this passage of scripture that we've read, throughout these 15 verses that we've read today, Jesus doesn't say go and be good and then you will experience eternal life. He says believe on me and then you will have eternal life. Obey me and then you will have eternal life. Believe on me He says it multiple times, believe on me, believe on me, believe on me. I am sent from the Father, and if you believe in me, then the Father will accept you. He doesn't say, follow the Ten Commandments, and then you will all of a sudden be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. That's important for us to recognize. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a member of the Holy Trinity, as a gift and a helper. And he also assists us. He helps us in accomplishing uh, a holy and a pure life. And this is something that also gets so distorted and, 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 and messed up these days in the regards of we constantly preach at each other who are holy and pure, and we treat each other as as if each other is evil and vile. Well, if you would do more for Jesus, if you would do more for the kingdom of God, if you would do more, but what if you're already giving 100%? What if you're already being obedient and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ to have somebody that is in uh, some kind of symbolic authority over you to tell you that you've got to give even more, is that the same as Jesus talking to the rich young ruler? Or is it possible that that authoritarian is trying to manipulate you into giving to them more than what is actually required of you because they are the one that is in the shortcoming? That makes life very strange and very difficult sometimes because we look at this person because they've been given a title and so therefore they're the authoritarian, but maybe their shortcoming is what they're trying to get you to fulfill. And so we've got to trust in the Holy Spirit and discern what is right from what is wrong. It's very simple. In order to be accepted into the kingdom of heaven, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and obey him. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes in us and we become, according to this passage of scripture right here, we become sons of light. We become Jesus is the light, and then he makes us into sons of light. We see this exhibited to us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, and again in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Aisha is going to read for us Matthew 5, 14.
2: You are the light of the world. A town built on the hill cannot be hidden.
0: We are the light of the world. We can't be hidden. The only way we can be hidden is if we snuff our own selves out. Mallory is going to read it for us, Ephesians 5, 8.
2: For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light.
0: Wonderful. So all of a sudden, our life is not a flippant, water, wandering mission of selfishness. We are now children of the light and we mirror or we reflect Christ Jesus to the rest of the world. And that's what he's saying to us in this passage of scripture. So uh, as a moment of self-reflection, I want to ask a question. Am I a good ambassador of Christ as the light unto the world? Am I a good ambassador of Christ as the light unto the world if the answer is yes then how can i help strengthen others and their walk not for my gain either financially or popularly, but for the glory of his eternal kingdom if i can answer the question of am i a good ambassador with a yes how am i strengthening the body of christ then and again not so that that way i get credit for it but so that the kingdom of god is seen with all in all of its glory, if the answer to am I a good bas- a good ambassador is no, then what area of my life do I need to allow the Holy Spirit into to expose so that that way I can be a better ambassador for Christ? Notice I'm not saying Savior or Messiah because I am not those things, that's who Jesus is, but I am an ambassador for Jesus unto the world. With all of these teachings, with all of these miracles, with all of the authority that Jesus then teaches uh, uh, throughout all of Israel, throughout all of Jerusalem, Jesus allows people to see every aspect of his life, and he exposes his sinlessness, still there's unbelievers. We see this in verses 38 through 43 of John chapter 12. Some people's eyes see, but they still remain blind. Some people's ears hear, but they still remain deaf. Some people's hearts can be transformed, but yet they decide to keep them rock solid hard. So I've asked this before a couple of times, but it's still something that applies to us today in this passage of scripture. Am I okay with people not believing in Christ?
2: I would say yes because we're not God. God is the ultimate authority of judgment and all humankind, all mankind, will be judged on that final day. And then our, then it goes into the question, has everyone heard? We're gonna be judged accordingly for what we have heard. Mm. And I think of it even more now, even with the technology realm that's out and about in 2020, there's so many ways of hearing who Christ Jesus is. Yeah, I mean, not only through the forms of radio and television, but now we have the internet and podcasting and through music. And there's just a multiple variety of actually hearing the name Jesus Christ. Mm. So from what we have heard and what we have discerned in our own life, of what we choose to believe or not to believe, I'm pretty sure we'll be held accountable for that when the day of judgment comes.
0: I want to expound on what you're saying there, Blair, with this. Those who do not believe are condemned to the place of the devil and his demons. That's what the Bible says. Yet I cannot lie to get a person to go to heaven because thou shalt not lie. I cannot force them to believe in Christ because we have free will. And so I can't sit there and go, well, if you're going to be with me, if you're going to eat at my dinner table, then you have to believe on Jesus. And if you don't, then you're not accepted here. I, I can't do that. I, can, I can't even create an experience of a utopian type compound on this earth and force everybody that then comes into my little farmhouse or my land or my property to be a Christian and to follow everything that Jesus said and did because we've seen time and time again where people have tried to create these moments of what are quote-unquote Christian utopia or the kingdom of God here on this earth and every single time it turns out absolutely devastating. People die every single time people the government has to get involved in these situations et cetera, et etc and so people Constantly trying to get more people to follow after them, they are the ones that create these moments, and yet Jesus is okay with the fact that some people don't believe. So how do I cope with the fact that not all will believe and be saved on Jesus Christ? How do how do I handle that? How do I uh, mentally process this fact that everyone I tell about Jesus that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to believe especially when it's like my mom or my dad or my brother or my sister, like flesh and blood.
2: You have to tell yourself, I'm not God. You're not the savior. You have to remind yourself. Not everybody is going to believe. And just because you're a good person and you're following after the ways of the Lord doesn't mean that your goodness is going to rub off of somebody else. Because we are all, we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. We all falter. We all trip up and are not even pleasing to the world, so to say. Everyone likes to nitpick and find the dirty secrets that that you have in your life that have been hidden and they expose it. Mm -hmm. Things become exposed. And it's in those moments of, oh man, I've been exposed now now what right now my faith now my walk with the lord is not as secure as everyone thought it was Mm. and that is what other people are seeing and then then you'll have the comments of well we knew he was a no good or anyways we already saw all this you know and all men think that they they love the lord and they're just all going to mess up and screw up yeah But the one who has never messed up, the one who has never screwed up, the one who is perfect, the one who is priceless, the one who is our Savior as 100% man, 100% God, lived and walked on this very earth that we all get to live on is Christ Jesus. And that is whom we are to please. That is whom we are to adore. That is the one... We are to proclaim his fame, not our fame, not in our name, but ultimately his fame. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, we can't, you can't like, if you're coming in contact with somebody, you can't just automatically think, oh, because I'm a believer of Christ, that means immediately you're going to become a believer. No, we all believe differently. We all have different walks of life, even as believers. Yes, yes some of us are very young in the faith some of us are very mature and seasoned in the faith some Mm. of us are very um content of where we are and don't want to grow anymore in the faith and i can't change that right that's an own individual choice the person you can change
0: it for is yourself only yourself absolutely romans chapter 1 verse 18 through 21 talks about this, exactly what Blair and I are discussing right now. And Blair's going to read that for us. Romans one eighteen through 21.
2: For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened.
0: This passage of scripture says that all man is without excuse, and the light of God is exposing our hearts, our minds, and our motives, no matter where we are in the world, and no matter even if we have heard the name Yeshu or the name Jesus, he's still there. We're without excuse. All man is without excuse. And that drives a part of this compassion role that's within inside of me that I want to rescue everyone. Yet the reality is this is not possible. Therefore, how do I live knowing that my best friend or my close relative may not accept Christ and will therefore live an eternal eternity of condemnation is I have to recognize, as Blair's pointed out, I'm not God. I'm not him. I'm not the one that makes those decisions. And I can't make those decisions for other people. I can't even make those decisions for my own children. Right. I can't force Xavier or Addison or Mallory or Aisha to do anything that they don't want to do. And we've been through moments as parents with you guys where there have been those moments of doubt or unbelief. And we've walked through those moments together, but at the same time, it's still up to who in order to make the full decision. It's up to us. Yeah. Completely up to you. And so therefore, what what is one of the things that mommy and daddy have always said? What is the one thing that Blair and I have always said to you guys is, is your faith is not our faith. Your faith has to be whose? Our own. Yeah. It has to be your own. Some people quit their faith walk when they come to the realization that they can't make everybody believe in Jesus. Like they come to faith in Christ and they think that as a Christian, now I can make everybody else a Christian. And when they actually recognize that that's not possible, they give up. They faint. They grow weary. Others just hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ automatically understand this. And before ever making a commitment to believe on Jesus Christ, they go ahead and immediately reject him because they say, I can't force other people to believe like I believe. So therefore, I want nothing to do with it. So how do I maintain my faith walk despite my inability to save everyone? It all goes up into trust. It goes into whom I have my confidence in. If my confidence is in myself, then I think I'm going to do all the work. I think I'm going to rescue everybody. I think that by giving a blanket to somebody who's impoverished because it's becoming winter, that then all of a sudden I'm their savior. And yet the reality is, is who is truly their savior? The light of the world, Jesus Christ. But when I put myself into a position where I think that I am the savior, I then limit who God is. How did Jesus handle being around unbelievers? You know, he had to, right? I mean, there was a time where he was in the temple and Jesus performed a miracle on a demon-possessed man who was in the middle of the synagogue, in the middle of church. There was a demon possessed man there, and Jesus healed him in the middle of the synagogue on the Sabbath, by the way. So that shows me that there's unbelievers that are with us, even if we're in church, even if we're worshiping Jesus, even if we're walking down the street. No matter where we are, we have unbelievers around us. There's unbelievers maybe even in our own family. So, with all of that, how did Jesus handle the reality of there being unbelievers, even in his own midst? Look at two different people there was Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter denied him three times, which means that Peter didn't fully believe in Jesus upon the day he was crucified. And he, Peter actually rejected Jesus. And the second person is Judas. Did Jesus treat either of these men any differently? No. no. Did he stand in authority going, I condemn you right now. I can't believe you. Did he shake his finger at him? Did he wag his finger? Did he did he take a stick and hit him over the head? Did he slap him in the face? Did he? Did he do any of these things? No. How did he treat them then?
2: With love, truth, honesty, a listening ear, and ever present in their lives, and just always there if they needed to talk, if they needed to you know discuss anything of a matter, and he prayed with them. He went off and continued to pray on his own Mm -hmm. to seek out the wisdom of his heavenly father. And these men and and women and children, I'm sure, got to see that representation of Christ. It's either we want it or we don't want it. Even when Jesus himself, the Messiah, was right there
0: with him, yet yeah, The man who's speaking with God-given authority, who's performing miracles such as raising Lazarus from the dead, and you still have Judas and Peter there, who mm-hmm. don't fully believe. That's why the question all, comes up all the time, at what point does a person truly become a disciple of Jesus? And I answered this over and over again throughout my life as uh, as a Christian believer. I believe that we're always walking in discipleship from the time even before we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I see that represented here between Peter and Judas. Peter hasn't yet accepted all of who Jesus is, and yet he's called a disciple of Jesus. Wow, that like blows some people's minds because they think that in order to be a disciple of Jesus, that means you have to be all sold out for Jesus. But Peter wasn't at this moment, and neither was Judas. And yet they are called the 12 important disciples of Jesus, and they have unbelief. And if anything, that should encourage us in those moments when we do have unbelief as believers because it shows us that. As long as our doubt doesn't lead us into a way of following after idolatry and perverting the word of God and perverting truth, and instead it leads us into a deeper relationship with Jesus as it did for Peter, that's really what God wants out of us. He just wants us to understand him more deeply, more intimately. Judas chose not to follow that pathway. And just as the book of Isaiah was prophesying about people that would be blinded, even though they see and deaf, even though they hear and that they would have hearts of stone, even though they have the ability to have them transformed into hearts of flesh, they would reject that. And it even kind of says this. It says God would allow their hearts to be even become even harder as a result of their unbelief. And the fact that that prophecy is there, that really discourages a lot of people because they're like, whoa, whoa. You mean in my unbelief, God would actually drive me to disbelieve even more? And he would prophesy about such a thing? Well, then maybe I don't even have free will. And that has become a discussion between people throughout generation upon generation, millennia upon millennia of, I don't, there's no way I can have free will because it was foreordained in prophecies that this is the way things are going to happen. But that's not true. Yes, it's prophesied that these things will happen. But that doesn't mean it has to happen to you. You can be a part of those that see and believe, hear and believe. Allow your heart to be transformed into a heart of flesh. The third thing that I see in today's passage of scripture, first, we were talking about the fact that Jesus is the light. Second, there's unbelievers, still unbelievers. And third, Jesus is the savior of the world. Nobody else, no avatar in a different blue skin no no other person no other greek god no hindu god no no japanese god no good way of thinking or good prophecy or good teaching is going to save the world no according to john chapter 12 verse 47 jesus is the savior of the world and it is his purpose to be a savior to be the savior Jesus also talks about those who disbelieve. Disbelief will lead to darkness and eternal judgment, and that eternal judgment will lead to separation from God. Belief will lead to life, light, and again, judgment. Even believers are going to be judged. But our judgment ends in eternal life with God. Christ's word is the judge on the last day. In other words, those hearing the words of Jesus and believing, on the day they believe, they are saved. Doesn't matter how you're dressed. Doesn't matter if you washed that day. Doesn't matter if you brushed your teeth that day. Doesn't matter if you put on clean clothes that day and then all of a sudden started worshiping Jesus. No, if you believe in Jesus, he says, come as you are, believe in me, and you will be saved. Period. However, those who hear the word of Jesus and do not believe that word Jesus spoke, Jesus is still calling out to you today because it's on the last day that that word that he spoke will be the judgment against you. So simultaneously, Christ is both savior and judge of what is going to happen to us eternally. Does that make sense? Because people say, how is it possible for him to not condemn, but yet he condemns people. This is how. He explains it right here in John chapter 12, 47, 48, 49, and 50. And the word of God is not just the word of a man or a prophet or just another good guy who had some great things to say. The words of Christ carry the authority of God, the creating father, speaking directly to us in accordance with John chapter 12, verse 49. God's commandment is life everlasting. Life everlasting is the commandment of God. We talk all the time about the 10 commandments. We even brought it up a little bit earlier today, but the overall biggest commandment of everything that God wants us to understand is come into eternal life. That's his command for us. The desire of our creator is for us to live with him eternally. However, or yet, he still leaves this choice of belief to us. So how does this reality open my eyes to the freedom of Christ?
2: The freedom is one chooses, I choose. Hmm. So it falls back on the I, it's a personal choice. So that's the free will about it. Or you can choose not to believe which still falls on you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's free, still free will. You right. have the free will to choose to believe or you have the free will to choose not to believe. And then there's those choices of, I'll choose Jesus when I want to choose Jesus. Now I wanna live these couple of years in rebellion.
0: <laughs> That's funny that you say that. I always I, I think it along the same lines.
2: And then, And then I'll give my life to Christ. But what if it's too late? but it's never too late. That's the thing is it's never too late. Yeah. It's never too late to ask Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and savior, right. because that is the freeness of who Christ Jesus is. Mm-hmm. But oh, to know him now, oh, to have him in your heart now, instead of postponing, instead of waiting, there's so much joy and there's so much peace and there's so much comfort and having a heavenly father, to commune with each and every day that leads and guides and utters sweet words and is, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. As you meditate on my words, as you're praying unto me, I got you. So to live life with Christ now would never pass that opportunity. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't want to trade it for anything.
2: But if I was one that was like, no, no, I'm 20 years old. In 20 years, like when I'm 60 years old or mm-hmm. when I'm 70 years old, that's when I'll follow Christ.
0: When I accomplish this goal, this task, when I've lied to this many people, when I've slept with this many people, then I'll ask Jesus to be. No, today's the day of salvation.
2: Today's the day. But it's never too late to ask Ask him you to your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. Yeah, never too late.
1: Well, I was thinking along the lines of we usually want to know like when our life ends, or we want to know, we want to have the, a guarantee of getting into eternal life and living forever, because nobody really wants to die ever, like in top fear in the whole world is death. So nobody really wants to die, and they always want to reach a point of heaven or Valhalla or something. In each religion, they all have a point where you just live forever. At least they believe, but heaven is the only one. And I mean, Jesus really promises us this is if we follow him. And if you accept the words I'm taking, telling you right now, you will receive eternal life. But if you don't, then that's your eternal damnation. Like it's his um, commandment. Not only is it a blessing, but it's also a curse for those who don't listen. And he forewarns us of that is that if you accept me then you will receive eternal life in heaven. And and if you follow me all the days of your life, then this will happen. But if you don't, then you're going to go to hell and you're going to burn and you're going to die and be in eternal damnation for the rest of your life. So it's not only is it to hear it, not only is it something to be joyous of, but it's also sad for those that don't accept Christ because they're choosing to reject him on purpose, even though they fully well know that that, their life isn't going to end where they want it to end. If you listen to this truth of what Jesus is saying and they don't obey his words, they're already accepting that they don't want to live forever.
0: Right. You think about it, contemplate the, the thought, God created the world. God created the planet we're on. He created this earth that we're on right now and his presence is here. So even if you don't believe in him, even if you're an atheist and you don't believe in God, that doesn't remove him from the equation of being here on this earth. So all your life, even if you're an atheist, even if you don't accept belief in who God is, that's not the issue. That's your choice Mm -hmm. because he's here right now. Yeah. The light is with you a little while longer. But the day Mm -hmm. you die is the day if you still stick on that day of your death uh, with this idea that I don't want anything to do with God. He grants that to you. He gives you your desire. The desire of your heart as an atheist is, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be with you, God. Even though you created heaven and earth, I don't want to be with you. And he grants that request. He says, okay. Mm -hmm. So now you get to live the rest of your eternal life because we have been created as eternal beings. Now you will live the rest of your life in eternal separation Mm -hmm. from God. Me. You've never experienced that before, and that is a scary place. And the best way that the English vocabulary can describe it as hell, fire, uh, gnashing of teeth, weeping, that's Mm -hmm. the way it describes it. But the fact is, is that our brains can't comprehend what it would be like to be separated from God. And when Mm -hmm. you don't believe on Jesus, you're automatically accepting the fate or the desire of your heart is to be separated from him then. Mm-hmm. because if you don't believe in him, yeah then you automatically get separated yeah and that's a scary thing mm-hmm. because we've had god with us at all times he's always been present with us he's always been in this world even in the most evil place that you could ever think of being god is still there yeah and by choosing to reject the words of christ and reject who god is you're saying i want to be separated from you and he says On the last day, he says, okay, Mm -hmm. I grant you your wish. You want to be separated from me? (laughs) Bye-bye. Yeah. And then the destructive nature of what that is going to look like, I don't even want to imagine. No.
2: Do you think he really says bye-bye?
0: I don't know. Goodbye. Goodbye. You are the weakest link.
2: I bet he weeps.
0: I guarantee you he weeps. Yeah. Because the same reason that you and I weep and are like, I don't want this. I don't... I don't, want, I don't want my brother or my sister or my brother-in-laws or sister-in-laws to not accept Jesus. I want them to live for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it hurts me, a family member, when I know that they're doing things that are not accepting of who Christ is. Mm-hmm. So I cannot imagine how much that more that is heightened by the one who created my brothers and sister-in-law, sisters, etc. cetera. It just, I, I hear the compassionate words of Jesus in this passage of scripture that we read. And I just, I kind of want to reread them and then ask us a question of self-reflection. And as Jesus cried out, this is what it says in verse 44, John chapter 12, 44, Xavier read it for us, but I just want to reread it again because the word of what Jesus says in this passage is just so intimate. He cried out. Like he's not just, you know, just saying it to say it. It's not a flippant thing. He's crying out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know this, his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And Jesus is just crying that out and he's saying, do you believe? So how can my life be representative of God's desire for me to be a part of this commandment to receive eternal life? This is self-reflection. How can my life be representative of God's desire for me to fulfill this commandment? Jesus is the light. If I believe in him and obey his command, I am created into a son of light. People in this world will not believe Jesus is Messiah, God, Master, King, Eternal God. Jesus' purpose is to be Savior. God's command is eternal life. Will I daily accept this command or will I press my luck with God's forgiveness, grace, and mercy? Lord, strengthen me to see and live according to my role and place that you've created me to hold. Help me check my ego at the door and recognize that you are the savior of this world, not me. Though I am a child of your light, that does not make me savior, but an ambassador of the light. May I be a good ambassador representing the kingdom of eternal life and my master, Jesus. Mallory, will you close us in prayer?
2: Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day, and that everybody will have a great day today, and everybody will stay safe, and make sure that you wear your masks and always wash your hands. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.